Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can just move a little bit closer. Welcome to What's Crap on WhatsApp <laughs> with Kate and Paul. Uh, please make sure to call, follow the conversation on hashtag RDA19 as well as Power of 10. Please also ensure that your phones are on silent to make sure that this conversation is as smooth as possible. And also note that there will be a 10-minute uh, Q&A session. So please make sure you get those questions ready for Kate and Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Kate and Paul. <laughs> Thank you so much. And yes, welcome to our session. Um, we are here to talk to you today about quite an exciting project that we launched about three months ago. And that is our new fact-checking show that is based on WhatsApp. And it is aptly called What's Crap on WhatsApp, Not Restart Later. <laughs> there we go. What's Crap on WhatsApp. Um, so we are... Uh, we are two organizations that have come together. I'm from Africa Check, uh, which is a fact-checking organization based in the WITS journalism department. But we also have offices in other African countries. And then our partner in this very exciting project is Paul um, and Roland, who are from Volume. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, Volume um, is a startup that actually came out of Jam Lab, um, which is based at WITS journalism, um, Indra's um, baby, um, and we started two years ago now, um, focused initially on community radio, but we've become obsessed with the idea of how people listen to audio, not just on community radio stations, but also um, in general, like in South Africa. And we hit on this idea of producing small, um, short podcasts, five to ten minutes that we would then distribute on WhatsApp. Right, so that's what we're sort of focusing on now. We're going to be producing a number of different shows that will be distributed on WhatsApp. And we thought that what would be a great starting point for this, because um, my family is in the UK and they are obsessed with sending me horrible crime type hoaxes about South Africa to me from the UK. So they're on some kind of horrible groups and they send all this malicious stuff to, to me to kind of prove that why I shouldn't be in South Africa and I don't know what they've got going on. But basically the idea is that there is so much misinformation in WhatsApp that we all know about and we're all dealing with on a daily basis. Um, and it felt like this was the perfect vehicle to launch a WhatsApp show. So you would have this five-minute podcast that then you could easily share within WhatsApp. It wouldn't be available on iTunes. It wouldn't be available elsewhere. You would kind of keep it within the platform. And it would be something that you could, um, it would basically diagnose a number of hoaxes each week or a month at the moment, and you would get these different stories. Um, you would hear about how they were hoaxes, why they were hoaxes, and what you should be looking out for. And then what you could do is then you could send this no voice note to the people that had sent you the hoax, right? And we felt that that was like the perfect opportunity. Someone sends you something that you are quite suspicious of, and you've heard about it on the show, this is why it's not true, this is how it's been debunked, and then you can easily forward it, and you can keep it within the platform. So it was kind of doing something good on the platform um, when you feel that you're up to your knees in all this misinformation. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so the other part of What's Crap and WhatsApp is Africa Check. 
A few of you will know us. Uh, we were the first fact-checking organization um, to start fact-checking on the continent back in 2012. When we started, it was two people working from their homes in Johannesburg. <clears throat> and seven years later, we're now a team of just about 30 working in four countries around the continent. So our headquarters are in Johannesburg, South Africa, but we also have teams in Nigeria, Kenya, and Senegal. Um, essentially what we do is we fact check, we verify if statements made in the public domain are true or not. Whether people making important claims about countries, economies, health, education, whether they have evidence to back up their claims. And we do this for a few reasons. Um, the first being that we believe it's important to hold public figures to account for what they say. They occupy important positions with a lot of sway and influence in society, and they need to think about what they're saying and the implications that it could have. The second important point is linked to that, that being that when politicians get into government, they make decisions based on the information that they share and receive. And if decisions are based on information that is wrong, if you're planning to build schools and you don't actually know how many children there are, if you're planning to employ police officers and you think there's a certain ratio you need to hit because the UN recommends it, but that doesn't exist, you may not only be making the wrong decision or a poor decision, you may also be wasting limited and valuable resources in a country. So the process that we go through for fact-checking is deceptively simple, although it can take a long time. Um, someone makes a claim, we contact them, we ask them for the evidence to support the claim. We then compare that to the best, most recent and reliable data or research on the claim. We get expert comment, um, we go back to the person to tell them if you know, we found what they said is wrong, and then we publish on our website. And we have a, a rating system from correct all the way to incorrect, with quite a few different um, other options in between. For the last seven years though, we have been fighting misinformation on Facebook, on Twitter, we've been looking at what politicians say, but we've really struggled with WhatsApp. And there's a good reason for that, it's private, it's encrypted, and people like that. We like being able to communicate on a platform that we know is safe, that we know people can't access. But like mushrooms, misinformation also grows well in the dark. And because we don't have a crack into to see through what people are sharing on these platforms, stuff can just be shared and spread and multiply. So when Paul approached us, we were really excited about this opportunity because we have found that although we do send our reports out on WhatsApp, people are increasingly not going to click on a link that's going to take them out of WhatsApp to a website where they have to read an 800-word article. That's just not going to happen. So we wanted to really do something quite innovative. We wanted to gather misinformation on WhatsApp. We then wanted to create a debunk, a fact check in a platform that is meant for WhatsApp, and that's the voice note. And then we wanted to circulate it on WhatsApp. My clicker is being difficult. <clears throat> so we were quite surprised, I think, by the way that this took off. It started with quite a humble tweet on the 27th of March. Um, we had had a, a sort of quite a yeah. relaxed conversation and thought, oh, let's just do this thing and see if it works. We put out a tweet. We asked people to send us misinformation. We gave them our number. 
and then it just exploded. I mean, I think that the reason why it hits such a nerve is because people are given this kind of information on WhatsApp and they feel um, quite affronted by it. Mm. And they also feel that it's coming from someone that they already know. So there's something kind of very interesting about uh, you know, if you think about it from like a publishing point of view, someone is sending you something that you know, and you might be worried about that person, that they might believe this, that they're spreading that information. And I think that the reason why it was so successful and why people really started sending us all the things that they've been getting over on WhatsApp for such a period of time was because they wanted to, they wanted us to create something that then they could send to these people to kind of shut them up and to kind of do the work for them. You know, it's like, if you imagine how um, you know WhatsApp has kind of become the kind of family gathering dinner table where you meet all your um, extended family and you've got these people that believe these certain things and you want to try and counter that. Um, so it was quite heartening. It isn't, you know, sometimes when you can, when you spend a lot of time in these groups, you can kind of think that there are a lot of people that are just, you know, believing all this misinformation and they're being suckered in. But what was exciting for us was that obviously everyone that is contacting us and sending us something, they know that it's not true and they want someone to do something about it. So there was something really kind of inspiring about that and really kind of something that made us want to do more. Mm. And I think Paul makes a good point here is that when you receive something on WhatsApp, if it's a crime warning, maybe it's a, a statement or doctored images about migrants, maybe it's a health warning, most of us instinctively get a feeling of whether it could be true or not. But we don't have the confidence, the skills, the resources to, to feel that we can rebut it, that we can tell our auntie no, you're being absolutely ridiculous, you can't, you can't share this. Or tell your brother, please stop sharing these crime stories, it's not true, it's a hoax. So what, it, what we're offering people is the opportunity to do something. They can forward it to us on the app. We'll then investigate these stories, debunk them, and send them back the truth in a voice note. So what, what I want to emphasize though is that for the most part, it is crap. <laughs> Africa Check does a lot of fact-checking of quite serious issues, health issues, political issues, the economy, infrastructure, policing. We do a lot of serious fact-checking. But when it comes to WhatsApp, what we actually see is that it is full of crap. It's full of stories that Charlize Theron is a secret funder of the ANC and the EFF. Um, that South Africa is suspending passport requirements for Zimbabweans, that drinks in Nigeria have been poisoned, um, that there are these tiny fish in your water and that you need to boil your water to kill them, and then quite a lot of health stuff. So a really scary warning that so many people sent us that if you mix milk with cough syrup and you give it to your children, they will die. It's funny, but we had so many people contact us about that because they were so worried. Or, for example, that there are people at petrol stations handing out key rings, but actually those key rings are trackers and they're going to follow you home. Have you heard that one? Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> but I mean, what's fascinating about it is it also speaks to a lot of what people um, think about crime, I think, in South Africa, is that this idea that you can't just be attacked. We were talking about it the mm. other day, and it's like this idea that you can't just be attacked, you can't just be mugged, 
there has to be, um, you have to be tricked as well. And I think that, you know, when you start to look at the things that really go viral, like on WhatsApp and kind of are really spiking people's paranoia and imagination, a lot of the crime stuff is around that. So we had one where they were, basically people were filling the ball that you would throw for your dog. They were, throw, they were filling it with some kind of explosive. So that means you would go out and pick up this ball and throw it for your dog, um, but then the ball would explode and it would blow off all your fingers. And then when all your fingers have been blown off, then the robber jumps out and mugs you, right? <laughs> and when you think about, if any of you have been mugged, it's you know, a pretty um, undramatic affair of someone with just more force or more weaponry just taking your stuff from you. They are not, they are not building elaborate explosive devices to try and um, accost you. And I think even though it's very humorous and we try and, you know, try and uh, bring it out as humorous on the show. I think there is also something like very important in that, in that like it speaks to this idea that people are ashamed that they, when they get mugged, they are ashamed when they get attacked and that's a sad part of it, right? And they kind of feel that there isn't something there where they can just say, um, you, you can only come forward with a mugging story if someone, if you can say, yeah, but look what they did to me. They blew off all my fingers. Like clearly that this is something that um, is worthwhile. So I think that there's an exciting sort of, and I think what we'd like to do more of once the show gets going is kind of explore why certain things go viral and other things don't, why things, because sometimes we get like multiple people contacting us about the same story. Um, and those are the ones we usually do, but there's something kind of, uh, there's like almost like an undercurrent of how you think about society and how you think about people interact with the internet depending on what goes viral, which is really exciting. So I'll just walk you through the process of how it works. This is the time to get out your phone so you can add us. <laughs> so how it works is people save our number on their phone. This is one of the challenges we're facing. We work on WhatsApp and we send out our voice note through a broadcast list. But you can add people to a broadcast list, but they will only receive your broadcast if they have saved your number on their phone. And we do have a, a struggle, which is that people get our number, they send us a message saying, sign us up, we say, please, please save our number on your phone, and then they don't. So that's the first step. Put 082-709-3527 into your phone. 082. Seven zero nine And there's a show coming out this afternoon, there's so a, you'll all yeah. get it. So if you sign up this morning, you'll get the show at 3 p.m. this afternoon. You save that as what's crap on your phone, and then people send us a message with their name. We ask them for their name so we can save them on our phone. Also, so when we interact with them, we can address them by their name. And then what happens is, if you have a friend or family member that sends you something on WhatsApp, maybe directly or drops it into a WhatsApp group, all you have to do, you push your finger on it, you click forward, you send it to us. Done. We receive it. We have someone on the phone during the day from sort of eight to five. They receive it, they say thank you so much, we'll add it to our list of things to consider fact-checking. And then importantly, we then download all the content that we get. If you send us a message, it's going to be logged. So if you send us a warning about those phone, the, the key ring trackers that hijackers are using, 
that gets downloaded and it gets logged. And it's going to be logged as text and uh, a crime warning. And over the last four months, we have gathered an enormous amount of, I think, quite important data on the type of misinformation that is being shared on WhatsApp. And this doesn't exist anywhere else because it's a closed platform. No one has been monitoring it. And one of the important things that we hope to do once we've collected enough of this data is actually partner with a research institute or an academic who can study what we've collected and start trying to identify trends of the type of misinformation that's being shared on WhatsApp. Do things peak at certain times? Um, are there you know, certain stories that seem to go viral quicker than others? We then, at the end of the month, we look at everything we've collected. We identify the ones that were sent to us the most. Um, and it's interesting, sometimes within an hour, you'll have 10 people send you the same thing. And you can just imagine this little hoax zinging its way around WhatsApp in South Africa. We see what's important, what was popular, and what's potentially dangerous. We write a script. We really try to keep our shows to five minutes, because we, do, we can't expect too much of people. We write a script. We head over to Volume Studio, where we record, um, we edit, we pull it together. Um, do you want to chat a bit about the production process? Yeah, um, we, we just, I mean, it, we, we're very focused on making it as quick and as short as possible, like Kate said, but also like mm. sort of in the realm of a podcast. So we'll try and bring in as much external audio as possible. Like if someone sends us, what we encourage people to do is if they have a problem with a certain um, hoax, we encourage some people to send a voice note so we can use that audio. You know, we had one this week, which actually the hoax was a voice note itself. So we put in um, chunks of that. like. We have a huge passion for audio um, and how that is interpreted and how it's listened to. So we try and make it, even though we're using these five-minute formats, we try and make them as dynamic as possible and try and, even though it's like a chat show between the two of us, but we want to try and bring in as much external um, sources and voices as possible. Mm. And then we, we edit that together as quickly as we can um, and then send it out at 3 p.m. on the first Friday of each month. And importantly, it's very small. I think it's around three and a half megabytes. Yeah. So importantly, for the South African context, you do not need to download a podcast app to get this. You do not have to have a lot of data to get this. You don't even have to have much data to send it to your friends and family. We are not asking a lot of people uh, in order to receive accurate information and share it. So yeah, if you sign up 3 p.m. this afternoon, you're going to get the voice note um, and you can forward it to your friends and WhatsApp groups. And we sort of started off on this adventure and then this is what it looks like. So this is what it will look like when it lands in WhatsApp for you. It will have the audio note. Our first one was seven minutes. It was a bit long. And then it has just some info. And importantly, if you forward this to your friends, they can then click on the link to sign up. So it's incredibly easy for people to sign up for the service. The response has been amazing. Um, we have actually been blown away by how nice people have been to us. I think we work, it's true, and at Africa Check at least, we receive quite a lot of abuse on Twitter, on Facebook, people like to send us angry emails, but on WhatsApp, people are just nice. And I think it's because it's the platform we use to speak to our friends and family. We like to save our anger for public platforms where it's a bit performative and people can see us getting mad and shouting. But people have been so nice, you know, thanking us, congratulating us, telling us that they've sent it to their friends and family. Um, 
and it's been incredibly rewarding to, to see how well it's been received and how needed it actually has been. So we won an award on the second episode, um, which was great. Um, we went down to Cape Town a couple of weeks ago um, and received a grant for $50,000, um, which is what we're gonna use to bolster up the show, make it more regular, try and do some of the research that Kate was talking about. Um, and it was exciting for me because I'm a journalist but have never really been part of the fact-checking fraternity. Welcome. Thank you. Um, and it was, yeah, it's very exciting and, it's um, interesting to be part of, like a, a sort of. A, it's interesting to bring audio, like being a ra you know we're all radio people. And it's interesting to bring an audio component to a set of journalists who are kind of, I think, up until quite recently, been on the fringes of of like journalism and journalism conferences, and it's just growing and growing. And this idea of you know in the future journalists are basically going to be countering propaganda, which I think is quite, someone said that at the conference last week. And I think that's a really exciting way to think about it. But it's actually not something that we often think about in terms of audio, really. It's like people think about it in terms of fact-checking institutions and they think about it in um, you know, niche uh, outfits that should be countering misinformation. It's like, that's their job, um, but we'll keep making stories. And I think that that's a, you know, an increasingly short-sighted way to think about it. And it's something that is exciting to bring into the audio space, but it's exciting to bring into journal. You know, I think more and more the fact-checking ideals and the idea of using this as a way to entertain and to educate is going to become more and more. Absolutely. So we have a year to really work this out figure out what works, what doesn't, how we can take it to more people. But we, are, we do know that there are going to be challenges along the way. The first thing is that we all live in our bubbles, whether it's on Twitter, on Facebook, in our communities, and we know that we're only in certain WhatsApp bubbles. So we need to find a way to try and get people to share it into different communities um, and different WhatsApp groups. Um, secondly, um, we are working on WhatsApp. We don't control WhatsApp. We don't own it. We have very little say about it. It could shut down tomorrow, and they could change the rules tomorrow. And it looks like towards the end of this year, there are going to be some new restrictions placed on certain aspects of the platform. We're currently exploring ways to work around that. But that is a challenge and something to think about if you're considering doing something like this, is that you're building something on someone else's foundation and you don't know how long or stable it'll be there. Yeah, I mean anyone who uses WhatsApp knows that it went down this week <laughs> and everyone flooded to Twitter to talk about how it was down. So, and voice notes were down. Yeah, voice notes were down. Our shows, yeah. that form of communication. <laughs> so, um, but mo mostly this idea of third parties um, and there's a, there's a number of third parties that work with WhatsApp to kind of, you can build a back end basically. Um, but we, and we were gonna, and in our proposal and sort of our, our mission was to kind of build something like that. So it would be kind of an automated chatbot mm -hmm. that might send the shows and might speak to the people that are subscribing. But the problem is, is that we don't know, like Kate says, what WhatsApp is gonna do with that. Mm -hmm. They increasingly don't want, they have said quite publicly that they don't want WhatsApp to be used for mass communication. That, however, the idea of broadcast lists and the fact that we made you all, or hopefully made you all put our number into your phone means that you are kind of opting in to getting the show. 
So I don't think there is a danger of losing this, the, the, the process that we've got at the moment. But the idea is if you wanted to go a bit more mass, a bit more automated, um, then I think WhatsApp is going to increasingly try and shut that down. Mm -hmm. They don't want, and none of, well, none of us that use it really want it to become like text messages. If you look at your text messages now, it's just full of spam. And I think Facebook's very aware that WhatsApp could become like that if they're not careful. Mm. So that's something for all, um, uh, you know, all people that are thinking of using WhatsApp in, in, in a kind of mass newsletter, voice note capacity, something to kind of keep watching. Mm. And then another challenge that we're facing is managing expectations. Um, we had to turn off our read receipts uh, because people would send us something to fact check and we'd blue tick them and 10 minutes later they're saying, where's the fact check? Like, give me the facts. I want the truth. And it's a process. It takes time. Um, we need to shorten the space between people sending us hoaxes and us debunking them. We're exploring how we could do that. Um, and then lastly, something that we're all concerned with, that's audience. We know how many people we send it to. Right now, it's just over 1,500. But we don't know how many people are listening to it. Once we send it, for about, we send it on a Friday, over the weekend, we get lots of people signing up. So that's an indication of it's being forwarded and people are signing up. But we're also exploring ways of getting people to respond with an emoji um, to show us that they received it, that they liked it, so that we can start getting some idea of actually how many people it's reaching. Yeah, because if you think about how you share things on social media in general, it's not a given that someone has listened to it even, even though that's the dark side that you don't ever want to confront. And we were having a meeting yesterday where you just don't want to think about that. You want to think, oh, we've got all these subscribers. That's so nice. We can tell that at a conference. But um, yeah, ultimately, there's an issue with not knowing. You don't have the kind of oversight that you might have on other podcasting platforms. So that's something that we're trying to think about and trying to, like he said, like just trying to get some kind of feedback, some kind of, um, and, you know, just acknowledgement that you've, that you've heard us. Yeah, so we are hoping to, well, we're going to, after we have, um, I'm trying to figure out how to make this bigger, um, after, what we're going to do is through this process, we're going to produce a handbook. So for the first three episodes, we've actually produced it with very little money. Um, the money is going to help us make it better, faster, and of a higher quality, but it's quite quite relatively easy to do. You need to have good research, you need to have good recording equipment and ability to edit, um, but it hasn't cost us a fortune to do the first three episodes. But we're going to produce a handbook so that hopefully anyone from a community radio station all the way up to um, a larger entity would be able to replicate what we've done. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to see other versions in different countries or just around South Africa sprout up and, and then, you know, then you can start having that very exciting thing of um, like sharing each other's information, sharing different fact checks, sharing different segments of each other's shows, you know, the kind of syndication model that I think everyone who produces recorded content um, fantasizes about, right? Because then you can, it makes the show more interesting and it means you don't have to do that minute of the show because someone else has done it. Um, and I think that, you know, we'd love to encourage people if they want to get involved and come talk to us about that. Cool. Should we take some questions? Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Nick and Kate. I'm extremely <laughs> excited about this initiative because I'm really growing tired of my mom and aunt sending me fake news almost on a daily basis. <laughs> Are there any questions? Yeah. 
I do have a question, and Mike already knows me, so he may know what the question is. <laughs> Firstly, from my side, this is a fantastic initiative because it's going to save me so much time in having to debunk stuff and send it around. And secondly, in debunking it, normally you see that these things travel around the world. So what you're doing here is probably very relevant to everybody across the globe. Um, so my question is around your WhatsApp distribution mechanism, and why not just opt for a real podcasting platform and have the links in WhatsApp, which means that one, you don't have to download the, the attachment, you can um, decide whether you want to open it or not. Secondly, you get accurate analytics on exactly who's listening and where, how, how far they're listening, um, you can see how things spread, um, and you're not tied to a platform like WhatsApp that can go down and sort of cause you guys problems. And then the other nice thing is people can go in and there's a whole repository and they can binge listen because you know, a lot of this stuff as well, you, you, you look at something, and this thing has been circulating since the mail days. So it's been sent on faxes and then sent on email and now it's been sent on WhatsApp. Francois, do you want to disclose that you own a podcasting platform? Well, I, 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 thought, I thought that was already obvious. But, uh, you know, whether it's our platform or another platform, this is just such a fantastic thing. And, and you can still use WhatsApp for distribution because it's a, it's a great mechanism. Although, as you've seen, it's becoming increasingly difficult um, to you know, have it as a mass communication medium. But just have your content in an accessible place where people can find it on the internet and share it and you know, have more distribution mechanisms. Yeah, we have thought about that. I mean, it is something that we initially talked about and thought about, but really what we're testing isn't just the show, we're also testing this, like, a kind of new meet, a new way of distributing things, right? And like Kate said, we kind of feel that people um, want to stay within the platform and they want to share within that platform. And we want to kind of, we want the show to kind of embody the same, uh, you know, forwarding mechanism that the hoaxes that they're getting as well. Like, the idea was that this is like a mirror of the of the crap that you're trying to get rid of but i mean i totally hear you i mean it's not something that we haven't thought about it's just something that um we're we feel that we wanted to push ourselves into that corner to try and test whatsapp's ability to do this so this idea of trying to measure things trying to get it out there trying to do those things if it was also available on a, as a podcast we kind of feel that over time it would we would like let go of the podcast of, of the whatsapp channel and you know we kind of think that the idea is innovative and it's interesting to do and, and this is how we're going to try and push ourselves to solve that problem does that make sense yeah hi um the most important thing i'd just like to find out is are you working towards getting involved with uh, whatsapp groups um the most frustrating thing is seeing people sending through groups, uh, messages on community groups, family groups, and I'm sure everyone in this room has been in those groups, and you're really frustrated when your 70-year-old uncle sending you a message, which is completely frustrating because you know that there's no basis to it. So is there a way that you can access perhaps groups, community groups, security groups, etc.? So we say if you listen to the show this afternoon, we say, you know, forward the show into your worst WhatsApp groups. Um, we are at the stage really relying people to drop it into their WhatsApp groups and send it to their friends. We have seen people add us and then they add us to their WhatsApp groups and we have to remove ourselves because we can't police WhatsApp groups. What we're hoping, and this is the thing, some people might say, why are you spending time and quite good money debunking this crap? And there are a few answers. One, we try not to decide what is important. If someone is worried that if their children drinks milk mixed with cough syrup, they could die, that is important to debunk. 
We can't dictate what is worthy or not worthy of fact-checking. Um, secondly, we also, when you debunk crap, you change the way people think. So even if you don't necessarily believe this or you're a bit suspect, hearing it being debunked in a quick, snappy, short format changes the way you think about the next piece of information you get. Maybe changes the way you interact with the person who sent it. Um, so we hope our content is being forwarded into WhatsApp groups. We have some evidence that it is, um, but we're not looking to police them or be present at this stage. No, that sounds like a hell of a job. Yeah, we, <laughs> only, we have one intern <laughs> who sits with the phone frantically. Um, is that all? If that is all, I'd like to take this. One there is a question. Oh, here we are. <laughs> Sorry, the, um, the question just um, came to mind now. Um, with time, I'm sure there will be other fact-checking uh, fact platforms. How do I trust you, and I'm just being a journalist here, that you won't be biased or that you will not be bought with 50,000 um, worth of um, funding? Mm. So how would I trust yeah. your, your guys' information? Good question. Yeah, I like it. It actually comes up all the time, that question. Yeah. So the first thing to um, note is that we're a member of the International Fact-Checking Network, and that is an international body which accredits fact-checking organizations if they meet certain standards. So you have to have a transparency of methodology. Your funding has to be open. You have to have open and transparent corrections. And importantly, that money, the money we won came from the IFCN. But at the moment, we are trust asking people to trust our debunks just based on our voices. We're not showing them the evidence. We're not giving them links. We're going to have to fix that. And we don't want to ask people to go to a website. So what we're looking at doing is, if it's a hoax about Charlize Theron, editing it and annotating it with the evidence. So a quote from the ANC saying, the person from the ANC saying she's never funded us. A quote from her agent saying we never funded them. Or statements, evidence. Um, so that's a good question. And people do challenge us on it, and they will continue to challenge us until we, we solve that problem. Yeah, I think even if we did expose the workings, I think people would still challenge us. Because mm. I think people might not necessarily look at the workings, but then still, they do, you know, I think it's healthy and kind of something strangely that we want to encourage people to ask that question. Um, yeah, but I mean, as a journalist, you must know, like it's difficult. It's it's a difficult thing, especially in this day and age when people don't believe you. Um, no matter how much evidence you necessarily throw at them, they might still not believe you. And to be completely transparent, Africa Check has made mistakes. We have got things wrong. But importantly, when we realize we've made a mistake, we correct it. And not only do we correct it, add a correction notice on the report, we tweet about it, we Facebook about it. So we hope that by publicly showing a commitment to transparency and open corrections, people will hopefully understand that if we get it wrong at any point, we're going to tell you. All is well? All right. Kate and Nick, thank you so much. It's and Paul. wishing you it's Paul. all of the very best. Paul. Paul, not Nick. Sorry, Kate and Paul. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us uh, today and all of the very, very best. Um, and if that is all, please grab them uh, yeah. during the tea break to ask him some more questions. And if that is it, you may go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.